Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Actually heard Moses Kingsley, former forward for Arkansas, subscribes. You should as well. Moses Kingley, Kingsley, actually, you know, he might have the most appropriate name that combines theater and college hoops. And I'd love to share with you why. Hear me out for just two seconds. Moses obviously is a religious figure portrayed by Charlton Heston in the classic The Ten Commandments. Kingsley, as in Ben Kingsley, who portrayed Gandhi in the very aptly named Gandhi. Moses Kingsley's parents must have loved the classics. Regardless, I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole right there, but Moses Kingsley, he dis- he subscribes. So you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. guys so i had mentioned that these next few weeks are a dress rehearsal and tuesday night gave us a serious show kansas and kansas state get in a huge brawl and we'll certainly unpack that get your thoughts and and try and identify who was the instigator 
uh, if both parties should be held culpable. So we'll we'll get to that. But you know who's most happy about that brawl in Lawrence? Can I? Can you guess? Uh, the FBI. It, maybe actually, that's a good guess. <laughs> Tennessee Vols. Another good guess. I'm talking about a specific individual. It's Alan Griffin. Uh, Alan Griffin is a player on Illinois. Now, the reason he's so happy about this is because he actually stepped on a Purdue player, a la Christian Leitner, and he immediately got tossed, which is quite unlike Christian Leitner. Christian Leitner actually got to, of course, because he's he's a Duke, he got to spend the rest of that game playing. But uh, that would have been the number one leading topic probably in college hoops, and people would have been up in arms about that. Instead, everyone's discussing uh, this Kansas brawl. And let's take a look at that first. My thought process, just high level, generally speaking, before I bring you guys in, uh, some points I want to make. I did not have an issue with the steal. I did not have an issue with D'Souza blocking the shit out of the ball. I even I didn't even have that much of an issue with D'Souza if he were to just stare him down for like one or two seconds. But the second D'Souza decided to make it like Muhammad Ali over fucking Sonny Liston, that's kind of where it all popped off. And so I'm going to place blame on D'Souza. Taylor, your thoughts on the whole fiasco in Lawrence? Yeah, you know, I I think I trot. You look at it as it's going on, and I didn't watch it live because I was just switching around. You know, that game was not feeder at the time. It was a blowout. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Monmouth already did the same thing to them earlier this year. Was it Georgios, Georgios Papas who did it for uh, Monmouth this year who hammered a dunk down with like two seconds left? You combine that with the fact that D'Souza has got to be fed up with everything that has to do about college athletics. And then I think you kind of look at this. I, I can't put my finger on how I feel about this Kansas team. And I hate to use a Jason Whitlock point in my, my argument. Or not argument, but, but discussion. But I think he has a fair thought because he's from Kansas and is he worked for the Kansas City uh, Daily Register? I think star. it is Star. Is it the Star? Okay, excuse me. Um, and I think he makes a great point that I didn't necessarily think about, and that is that everything that's happened with Kansas over the last two years is kind of this is kind of a low point in a lot in a in a in a sense for Kansas basketball, not from a on court if you want to count this as an on court situation but there's kind of been a lot of like bullshit that's been going on with the program whether you want to blame it on the spill self or the fbi or the ncaa or or anybody or snoop dog or whatever but you know in the last year 18 months you've had the d'souza situation which we i think we all agree isn't his fault right or at least our, there's a fair argument for that then you got the fbi situation which uh, a lot of schools have, but at least in Kansas's situation, there's like legitimate text message type of proof from self to recruits and whatnot that kind of say, okay, something's not going right here. Then you've got the Snoop Dogg debacle this from earlier this year. And then now you've got this like off-court brawl situation. There's got to be, knowing that just because – you know, our alma mater, my alma mater, Arizona, has a similar fan base to Kansas. And that's a lot of older folks in the crowd. 
there's got to be a couple older folks in the crowd who are like, okay, what the hell are we doing here? You know, we got Snoop Dogg bringing strippers. We got FBI investigations. We got we got people brawling in the in the crowd. Like, what what have we become here? I'm not saying that it's. I'm not. I'm probably making a lesser deal out of all of this in my mind than it is. You know, I don't. I don't think all of these things necessarily go together. But I think there's got to be a couple Kansas fans that are like, "Come on, Bill. Like, let's let's rein it in a bit here. You know, let's let's figure it out, especially." And again, they won what fifteen straight Big Twelve titles. Fourteen Prior to last year, yeah. But especially you toss that in there. There's got to be a, a couple fans in the crowd, and I'm not saying I necessarily agree with their thoughts, but there's got to be a couple supporters in the crowd that are like, "Come on, dog! Like, can we just lock this up for a year? Can we just iron this out and not have some bullshit every like four weeks going on?" Yeah, but winning's the biggest deodorant. They went to a Final Four a couple years back, and if I were to I don't know, lecture Kansas fans. I'd be like, no, don't, don't try and run this guy out of the building. I know they've no, had, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah. Right. And, and I know they've had some blemishes and obviously the vitals of the world and your Dan Dockages and all those guys that fit a certain type of person are going crazy. And I guess you have to set the precedent of, you know, this can't happen, but as a neutral observer, I'm like, nobody got hurt. Really. D'Souza was a clown for picking up the chair, but we're trying to compare uh, this to the malice in the palace. Just look seven years ago, what happened with Cincy and Xavier. That was a lot worse. Shark, I want to get your thoughts as well on, on this melee and Lawrence. I'm glad you said what you just said right there. Cause I kind of agree. I, the reaction on Twitter from all the college basketball pundits, when you saw Norlander and Rothstein tweeting about this was that it was just so catastrophic that it trickled into the stands. There's no room for this in the sport. And then you watch it and it's like, eh, it's really not that bad outside of D'Souza picking up the chair, which mind you, it took forever for people to actually recognize that because it was such a small minor moment when it happened and obviously you didn't hit anyone with it, but you hit the nail on the head. It, had, it doesn't even compare to what happened with Cincinnati and Xavier, whenever that was. I just remember who was the huge guy on uh, Cincinnati, Yancey Gates, just looking like a beast on the court and he was ready, ready to square up with anyone. And that's that, that's a real fight when you see that happening. That's teams that really dislike each other. And the competitive, I mean, I'm sure Kansas and Kansas State hate each other too, but the, the difference in skill and talent on the teams this year is pretty intense. And all you got to do is look at Bruce Weber's post-game conference when he's just like, eh, go Chiefs. He didn't care about the fight all that much anyway. So I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, people need to calm down, stop getting their panties in a bunch and whatever. I. I get why the like Bill Self and Bruce Weber, I get that they can't downplay it, even though you just said Weber kind of did it in his own way. And we got, we got Vitale saying that uh, D'Souza should never suit up for Kansas again. I actually agree with Vitale, but for different reasoning, I think, I mean, it actually was just levied by the big 12 that D'Souza has done for 12 games. He's got a senior year of eligibility left. Just leave the program, Silvio. You've been, you've been ruled ineligible before you even stepped foot on campus or whatever it was. Then you got to be eligible. You came back for the final four and then there was another suspension or something. And now this, it's just been such a disjointed tenure for Silvio that I don't see any upside in him coming back to Kansas. I do kind of agree with him not being able to play again because picking up the chair is just completely preposterous. I mean, let's call that what it is. Everyone has a group in their, a person in their friend group that just, 
tries way too hard or loses his mind in the situation and you could probably core figure that out for your group but like D'Souza, are you are you kidding me, man? Like you're gonna pick up a chair and threaten people with that? That that that's taking it too far. He shouldn't play. I agree, but he, Sub, you're also right in saying he, he doesn't really deserve to play at this point. Anyways, he doesn't even play for Kansas. And, that's what I'm saying. It's not even that yeah. big of a loss for Kansas. Uh, he's averaging 2.8 points per game this year, in like no in like no minutes. But I I, I would say that the 12 games is, um, I I, I would say it's probably okay. It's it's weird that you know. The uh, it still leaves one regular season game left, and it's not a coincidence that's 12 games because Kansas State and Kansas play again in 11 games. And so, on top of that, the Big 12 doesn't want them, you know, Kansas to suffer, right? But here's what I'll say I, if I, if I was to even as a, I, I don't think this is an overreaction, I would probably have maybe just suspended them for the rest of the season, regardless of, um, uh, postseason play because you know that just because of the chair incident just because he didn't hit anybody with the chair doesn't mean that the intent wasn't going to be there D'Souza should thank whoever it was that pulled that chair out of his hands because that probably saved not only his collegiate basketball career but probably his career his college career or his basketball career as a whole, because if that dude smokes a a basketball player, another basketball player, that'd have been bad, right? That'd have been like, uh, you know, Garrett for the Browns. There, sure, that'd have been awful. If he hits a fan, especially in that section which is designated for disabled fans, and you're a basketball player and you're off the court and you pick up a chair, and even if it's you know without intent, you smoke a disabled fan in the crowd. You're done. You're probably in jail. I mean, you're getting prosecuted for that. Yeah, that, that's yeah. called that's called aggravated assault, right? There. Right, that's right. So, so he, I, I probably would say that I, I don't want to make too much of the fight as a whole because I understand that like shit happens like that. But I think that twelve games might. Is, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I, I, I wouldn't have gone any less. That's for sure. And I, I wouldn't have batted an eye if they would have gone more. Simply for that reason, because there could have been. A lot of damage done. Now, I do want to make another point, Subi, and that's the first thing you brought up, and that is I cannot believe uh, which one of the barn guys was saying that we're not going to blame um, the the guy. Or we are going to blame the guy laying it in. Holy right? shit, man. So it wasn't it wasn't one of the barn guys. I, tweeted, oh, okay. I know what okay. we're not going to do is blame the yeah. Kansas State player for making a steal. And then this other guy, Zach Noble, who actually promotes our podcast as well. So shout out to him. Like I said, we're we're losing we're losing endorsers and endorsements left and right. Zach, uh, I don't know if he's listening, but we appreciate your viewership. Uh, but I had a, I had a disagreement with him. I basically he basically said you're kidding, right? Uh, I said no. Like I, I understand. Look, if if you want to let the play play out, uh, I get it. And I understand why someone might be upset. Like, what if what if that had resulted in Sylvia DeSosa uh, an injury? Right? We've seen Russell Westbrook get injured because Pat Beverly was trying to steal the ball when he was clearly going for a timeout. I, I kind of understand that, but at the collegiate level in a interstate rivalry game, I don't know who this Gordon guy is. He might be the last person off the bench. He might be in Bruce Weber's doghouse. He's probably trying to earn as many kudos as he can. Uh, and and play to the whistle even and sometimes that looks even better for a coach when a coach can say okay we were down 30 in the waning seconds and this guy's still playing defense 
Again, on the flip side, I have no issues with D'Souza swatting the shit out of the ball. And yes, I also right. understand I'm going back and forth between pronunciation of DeSosa and D'Souza. But uh, I have no issues with the play on the court. And again, to reiterate, I don't care that D'Souza uh, store, stared him down. It was for like five seconds, and he was clearly uh, saying some shit to him where the bench is then clear, and, and you sort of get that. Now, I want to also really quick unpack uh, the chair situation. So we discussed that, but we've seen the clips all day. I'm almost curious. I, I, I don't know if D'Souza, like, part of him actually let go of the chair as well. Because it, are we are we all in agreement that the assistant coach – like ripped it out of his hands or was it the coach made an effort to get rid, get take it out of his hands, but also just, it kind of looked like D'Souza let go shark. Do you agree with me on that at all or no? I haven't watched it a million times to be honest. I, so I'm probably not the right guy to ask. I was, I was over in Northwestern watching my guys, Maryland storm back in the second half, snake that one out. Uh, but in the brief time I saw it, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that he had a, a, moment of reckoning where he re- realized what he was doing. It's like, what do I actually care this much about being disrespected at the end of a game where I'm up by 30 points when some place in Lawrence, Kansas, probably not. So I'd like to think that that's what, probably what the little voice in his head and talked him out of it. It's tough to support. I, I I'm not disagreeing with that. It's tough to support that thought though, because it's the sense that like I pulled the baseball bat or the gun or the whatever at and pointed it at someone and was like, ah, Never mind, dog. You know, like it's it's more about who's the receiver in that situation than it is who's the guy that has the actual weapon in their hand. And again, I know that like it's a basketball court, right? This is not a life or death situation. I get that. So I don't mean to make too much of the fact that it was a chair, but if like he had it in his hand. So there had to be a thought that 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 got him to that point. And even if even if he did get it where he, he either released it or whatever, if he had this split second thought where it's like, <laughs> I probably should rethink this. Sure. Fine. But there, he equally had the thought to already have that in his hand in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at it this like the goddamn Zapruder film and I kind of see his fingers release from the, from the clutches of that chair. So I think, you know, and if you really take a step back and think about it, is is an assistant coach strong enough to pull that out of big fucking Sylvia D'Souza's hands? I don't think so. So I think it was a combination of the coach reaching for it and getting his hands on it while also D'Souza uh, releasing. Now, to your point, Taylor, that's not going to eliminate or cut down his suspension because the intent was, right. was absolutely clearly there. And again, a- another point that you made, the, the stands. I kind of thought of it as like a this three-layer dip of trouble for D'Souza. All right, hear me out. You got you got the chair that he picked up. That's layer one. On top of that, you got the fans. That's layer two. Third layer, the cheese, sour cream, whatever you want, the disabled section. If he had honestly struck a disabled person, that would have been – then I think you can make a comparison to uh, the, the malice in the palace. Oh, he would have been in jail faster than like Antonio Brown's trainer was in jail from this last incident here. But I do want to also say, oh, actually, let me interrupt this real quick. Can you figure out how you're going to pronounce your U's from here on out? Is it the Zapruder film or the Zapruder film? Is it, is it, is it, is it DeSouza or D'Souza? Can you maybe just make a, make a decision before next episode of how you're going to utilize your U's from That'll here on out? Nice That's good. 
Okay. I just, I just want to throw that out there. Um, but I, how about, I want to bring up another point here and how about the Kansas state starting point guard, uh, Cartier Diara making death threats towards Kansas fans on Instagram last night. I, I didn't see that. That's outrageous though. Oh yeah. He, he, he just does the, the classic athlete black screen with, uh, with letters on it he says you know you can die tomorrow right don't ever forget that mm. send a, send addy then pussy and then he screenshots a D, some dms with a with a kansas fan so a lot even more to unpack and like what are you doing you know you you lost the game by a lot okay and then you got in a fight with like a seven foot monster okay that was gonna beat you with a chair why are you talking shit on Instagram afterwards? Just he's, tr- yeah. he's trying to get his name back in the news. I hadn't thought of Cartier yeah. diarrhea since the, <laughs> the game that's against. Exa- uh, well, they when they went to the Elite Eight, they beat Kentucky in that Sweet Sixteen game, and he was pretty instrumental in that. So I hadn't thought of him in forever. And uh, I guess sometimes you got to do what you got to do. If it's a death threat, uh, a completely unnecessary death threat online to get your name back out there. It's one way to go about it. And I've been trying to think for the past five minutes of a movie where someone showed the restraint where they were about to punch someone to going back to the D'Souza holding, like grabbing the chair and then somehow finding the wherewithal to stop. And I can't really think of a movie, but I'm sure we've all thought of it like in your head at some point. If someone can think of the movie, let me know, where someone absolutely wants to knock out someone, but they find the inner restraint in them to kind of hold back and then hold their fist right up against someone's chin. I think it might've happened in Rocky five with Rocky and Tommy Gunn, but I'm going to have to go back to the log on that. Yeah. We should brainstorm that. I don't know why, but the only thing that I can think of, and it's, it's not applicable to what you had just said, but wedding crashers when Vince Vaughn comes down from the altar and just knocks the shit out of Bradley. Yeah, it's not, that's the opposite. Like, he didn't know, show the restraint. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know why, though. But uh, so crazy night in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, Big 12 has levied all those suspensions. And then, Shark, you got them in Lawrence on Saturday. Yeah, pretty timely fight for uh, the Vols. The Vols are in a rough spot right now. They're 12 and 6. Stupid SEC Big 12 going on in the middle of late January. So they have to go to Lawrence to play a game, which – you know, realistically, they're still probably going to lose because Doke and Dotson are still going to play, which means the Vols are looking at 12 and 7. And then it's just kind of the SEC is pretty, pretty tough this year. Even on road games, you never know what's going to happen. You can go to Athens. The Vols already had to go there. They got pummeled. So they got to win the, these games. They, they had Mississippi last night and just pounded them. But you got to get yourself to like 18 to 20 wins if you want to consider yourself dancing at the end of the year. I do want to take – can I take this point right now um, because I want to go back to your, your Moses Kinsley at the beginning, and I just wanted to say one thing. I, I teased it at the previous episode when I wanted to talk about muscle milk and how I read an article about him this past weekend. The article is actually on The Athletic, so I'm a proud Athletic su- subscriber. There's two kinds of people in this world, people that read The Athletic and people that don't. I'm an athletic guy, all right? I'm cultured, cultured sports fan. And I read that article. It's about muscle milk. Muscle milk. I'm going to keep calling him that. Before the Kentucky game, and kind of his preparation and what goes into it, and it's a little look into Arkansas's team, how they have nobody that starts that's over six foot six. Oh man, they're so they're so short. Nobody respects them. This and that. 
And the reason I'm bringing it up was because Moses Kinsley, he played on the same team as Bobby Portis. And I'm going to get to Bobby Portis in a minute here. But anyways, uh, Musselman was – he's very into cliches. And we've talked about cliches. We did the episode a few um, weeks ago about corny sayings that teams have. And Musselman – says in this article i'm always looking for stuff and he actually references pj fleck and how pj fleck's got a whole bunch of good ones and i might want to steal one from pj fleck something about like king of the twos too short too weak it was a horrible one so it was a good thing that dropped my microphone it was a good thing that he didn't do that but where i'm going with this is muscleman saw a video done by lsu's football team leading into the national championship and it was narrated by The Rock. I think we've all seen the LSU videos, how awesome they are. You can run through a brick wall, how great they are. And Musselman was so moved by this. And he's talking to his staff and he's like, you know what? We got to get something like this before the Kentucky game. Can you guys spin this together? And his staff is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, who are we going to get to narrate? And they're kind of going down the line. If they want to get to the narrate their show, their little montage in the beginning. And the only guy they could get was Bobby Portis. And it's just like... <laughs> You're not going to win a big game with Bobby Portis being the voiceover for some motivational video at the beginning. Um, yeah, that's everything I had to say about that. <laughs> yeah, you, the athletic department didn't have like an extra 10 bucks to literally pay any of the thousands of voiceover actors there are out there or anyone of any kind. There's got to be a good connection to the school. Hillary Clinton. I would have got Hillary or Bill Clinton to get in there. You know, that would, I'd rally up the, the hog fan base there. Or how about Darren McFadden? What's he up to these days? Oh, yeah. you can get anything. Get their new fat football coach, too. He can get the crowd going. But like Bobby Portis, come on. He's another guy that got in a great, much better fight in Kansas, Kansas State when he knocked out the big Serbian guy. Uh, yeah, Miritich. Miritich. Yeah, yeah. Subi, if I tell, can you finish the sentence for me, please? 502. Uh, I know it from the YouTube video of, oh boy, thank you. Boy. To be um, fair, Taylor did just mouth that to me. I, I didn't get it. Again, <laughs> 2020, year of accountability. So I want to go back one extra sentence or three or 15 here. Movie where a guy holds back a punch, but potentially comes back to haunt him in the end. Saving Private Ryan when they don't kill the German guy. Is that Peter applicable? Reference. Hey, sometimes I come From with it, boys. Clouds. Some days I come with it. You know, I, I some days I got it. Some days I don't. But that's got to be. That's almost like half applicable, isn't it? I'll allow it. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, it's not bad. No, <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it. That's fantastic. Taylor. Honestly, you know what? Though the only reason I had that in my mind is because of the Golden Globes when Tom Hanks got the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, and that's uh, a scene was in there from Saving Private Ryan. So I do uh, I do pay a little bit of attention to theater right there. So is, that's, all, that's all I got for you. That's all it's I got. a trio. It's a true, true team effort. Uh, speaking of awards, I'm really pissed that I missed the SAG Awards. Too late, too little, too late, but we move forward and look forward towards the Grammys this upcoming Sunday. Uh, one other thing I really want to talk about just very quickly with that Alan Griffin stomp on the Purdue player. Again, Zapruder film, looking at it again, he is pushing himself up off the ground, but he clearly went to like smash this guy's balls in with his hand. Look at that again. He, it looks like he's going to like smash his balls, thinks better of it. And then thinks worse of it. And he's like, okay, I'm still going to stomp on this guy. 
So you brought up Leitner. I'm going to bring up a better name, at least for me, at least. And that's Aubrey Coleman. Oh, yeah. That hits home. University of Houston player who stepped on Chase Budinger, who Arizona's Chase Budinger, who may have single-handedly rallied the Arizona Wildcats back from 12 down with like 58 seconds to play, saved their season in a season that they ended up going to the Sweet 16 uh, with Russ Pennell. Another enunciation uh, situation there was a Pennell or Pennell. Uh, yeah okay okay chase chase got his face stomped on that was that was brutal true i'm just saying that was the one that came to mind uh with the stomp uh who is the uh actually shark would know this uh what's the uh it's the washington redskins guy that albert hainsworth right he stomped on he stomped on a dude back in the day yeah when when he's on the cowboys though and then we gave him a four-year 40 million guaranteed for that so it wasn't Both when you he was guys on, are wrong. Both of you guys are wrong. He was on the Titans. Yeah, he was on the against Titans. the Cowboys. Oh, uh, okay, stomped, okay. He stomped Andre Garrard. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I got my tennis. Which version of the Tennessee versus Washington? I can't nah, remember. Couldn't remember which part of your fanhood I was. I was getting into there. I so. do. Uh, can I take this one slight opportunity? Uh, all year I had a deal, and this is not having to do with college basketball. All year I had to deal with how dumb the Redskins were for letting Preston Smith walk, and he goes to the Packers, and look at all the sacks he's getting. You know, he really set the edge pretty well against uh, Mostert last Sunday, didn't he, when when he was running down the field all over him. Screw Preston Smith. That's that's pretty easy to say, I guess, when your team was eliminated from the playoffs in, like, preseason week week four, I guess. Just saying. (laughs) Yeah, okay. All right, we're going to pivot to our predictions now, as a matter of fact. Before we do that, let's hear from the Barnburner Podcast Network and our guy, Zach. All right, so let's revisit our predictions, Taylor and Shark. It's about the halfway point of the season. Wouldn't, wouldn't you guys agree, right? Halfway point here, and so Taylor and I, we went through Coach of the Year, Player of the Year, and the champion for each of the major conferences. We'll get to that because I have it all very nicely laid out in a spreadsheet. Shark, let's talk about your predictions first and foremost. Uh, I have to pull it up because I know you texted it to me, which is, I mean, I, I, it's not organized at all. It's not my style. Can you can you go off the top of the dome while I look this up? Yeah, I got them. I, and I, I shoot from the hip on these, so I don't keep them, I don't keep them logged away. But uh, they all are time-stamped. They all are on record, and they were all given at an unpopular time, I would say. So my two biggest ones, my two teams that I hitch my wagon to that I've been tweeting and trumping all throughout the year is Seton Hall and Oregon. So real quick, real quick, what I want to do with these predictions is after each one, when we revisit them, we'll give it like a health grade almost. Like, is that still on track, or did that just completely blow up? That's all. That's fine. Mine are going to be healthy oxes right here because they're looking good right now. So like, and to be specific, I'm not saying Seton Hall is going to win the big East. Like Subi's going to say, or Oregon's going to win the pac 12. Like Taylor probably said, I'm saying these teams are going to the final four. So I'm up here, you know, putting my dick on a table and saying, this is what's going to happen. These are my predictions. So both those teams, Oregon, Seton Hall, final four, give me your healthy grade. I mean, yeah, it's pretty healthy. I would say Oregon had a scare in Washington. I think they should have lost two straight and they, you could very well argue that they should have lost to Arizona as well at home, but Seton hall, they've done more than tread water 
Uh, I'm not going to give love just yet to Kevin Willard because even he said, you know, when asked about his team success, he was like, oh, I got the best player in the entire country. Another point that I'll make is uh, while you're saying that these are predictions for the final four, I guess we'll have to wait till the final four episode to truly make fun of you uh, because, you know, we did regular season. Sure. But I would say Oregon somewhat healthy Seton hall, who I think all three of us love pretty fucking healthy. I just love him a little more though. I would say that the, the way to uh, maybe grade these, especially when it comes to our predictions is, you know, a a healthy grade is, yeah, they're still alive for that. Or I don't, I want to jump ahead, but like, my Purdue prediction of winning the Big Ten is not passing inspection on deathbed. Uh, maybe we're in hospice on that one. So, I, you know, if it still has an opportunity to happen, then I'd say that we give it a, a, a solid grade. So I would say that those are both, you know, B plus to A grade predictions because they still have a, a not a likelihood, but still a, a super strong possibility of, of happening. Okay, I'll take that. So do you want to just clear mine out all out of the way? Because you guys obviously did this in a much more organized fashion than I did. And I may have one, you know, come to me tonight. I may fire it (laughs) off. I'll get the tweet out there and I'm I'm not shy to remind people of what I predicted uh, when it comes when things start moving forward. So my next big one, this one uh, is for Wisconsin and my prediction. I made this one after they played at Ohio State and they won on the road. This would have been on, um, you know, sometime in January. I'll get the date here for in a minute. And my prediction was Wisconsin is going to go to the Sweet 16. Now I made that prediction when they were nine and five. They stunk. They they were not a very good team. They beat Ohio State. As soon as I saw they beat Ohio State, I sent out the tweet. This was on January 3rd. Wisconsin, they're going to the Sweet 16. Your thoughts? Uh, not healthy. You know what this is? This right here is from Knocked Up. And that tall, skinny, lanky friend of of Seth Rogan's, or no, not knocked up. No, it is knocked up. Jay Baruchel, no the guy from. Uh... No, 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 no. The guy who has to grow his beard out as a. Oh, that's the guy from. Um, yeah, He's from Freaks Gil- and Geeks too. No, that's Gilfoyle from. Uh, that's uh, Gilfoyle from yeah. uh, the, sh- the show that's stunk. Silicon Valley. Erlich Bach, yeah, Erlich Bachman left. And it's yeah. Bad. So I think it's in Knocked Up where he has pink eye, right? I think you're right. I think that's, that is not. That's up Wisconsin yet. right yeah. now. He's not completely dead. They could very well recover. But at this moment, he's not healthy. He's got pink eye and he's in a slum uh, in somewhere in Los Angeles. That's my that's my thoughts on Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, you say they were nine and five. Like they're so much better now. They're 12 and seven now, which means they're three and two since you made that prediction, which is almost the exact same winning percentage as they were when you made that prediction with losses to Illinois and Michigan state, not bad losses, but those are the teams you're going to play in the tournament. So they did beat Maryland. They did beat Penn state and they did beat Ohio state, probably other tournament teams. So I'm thinking that prediction is at best a coin flip, probably a little worse than that because they literally are, don't even have a better record than they did when you made that pr- prediction. I just need to double check that I sent that tweet <laughs> after the Ohio State game. Uh, this is why we need a producer, guys. Anyone out there want to produce? Well, if Blue, right, Note, but, what, if Blue Note went and left us, maybe we could afford one. You know? nope, yep, it was after that one. So you're right. They're 3-2 and two after I sent the tweet. 
But you're focusing on the losses. I'm focusing on the positivity, baby. They went on the road. They beat Penn State. Everybody loved Penn State. They held the Penn State to less than 50 points in Penn State. That's a big-time win. Then they went and they beat Maryland. They're only – and then they lost to Michigan State. They got a big week ahead of them here. They got to beat Purdue, and then they got uh, the Luca Garzas up in Des Moines. But it, I don't know. I, I like the team. I, I am fully expecting them not to get a high seed in the tournament. I'm – seeing them on the 11 line and they're just a matchup nightmare. They have guys that you just don't want to play in a boring, lazy setup with against the six seed. I keep envisioning, I tweeted this out a nice little, they're the 11 seed. They're playing some flashy six seed like Memphis. They beat the shit out of Memphis and then they get matched up with a finesse three seed in the second round. Maybe a Louisville. Louisville is probably going to be a little bit better than that at this point, but someone else on that three seed round or, or, Wisconsin could advance. Let me put on my Tony Reality PTI hat real quick. Unless they are actually playing in Des Moines, the Hawkeyes, and we were a former Hawkeye podcast, have some oh, respect. Still, they play in Iowa are. City. Okay, still are. They play in Iowa City. They won't be playing in Des Moines. I'm, I'm going to stick with Des Moines. <laughs> it's all the same. Every city in Iowa yeah. has to be like the same city, right? So I don't know if you – what, are you going to tie hit your wagon to like – Brad Davison it's leading a team to Sweet 16. Also, Pritzel. Also, Rivers. Our, Rivers? How do I call him Rivers? Yeah. There's a lot of you. There's a lot of U's in here that we don't know how yeah. to use, clearly. The little point um, guard, Trice. Good team. Good team. So, so are, are you using the win against Maryland as like a reverse hedge of all of your predictions? Like, all well, in that, one? That leads me to my next big prediction. <laughs> this one is a little more relevant. My other one is Maryland. Everybody seems to hate Maryland. Everyone hates Mark Turgeon. They're poking fun at him. They, Maryland was a good team. Preseason ranked, I believe, top 15 going into it. My prediction for them this year is they're finally going to break through that Sweet 16 level uh, ceiling that they've been facing and advance to the Elite Eight. I don't know what seating they're going to have, but I think it's going to be an Elite Eight appearance for Maryland. Um, and, you know, they're, they're definitely a schizophrenic team. They, they, they're all over the place. But I like the pieces that they have. They have the senior guard in Cowan. They have Ayala and Wiggins who seem – I don't know if they dislike each other or not, um, but they don't – one of them – they both don't want to start, whatever that quote was. Um, and then I, I like – I mean, Jeff Smith is just an animal. So Jalen Smith, excuse me. Uh, they have everything. And I just go back to the team that they had last year in the tournament. They were really good in that tournament. They kind of bullied Belmont in the second – in that first round game that they had. And then they should have beat LSU in the following round if it wasn't for Tremont Waters and an incredible shot. Everyone on that Maryland team, with the exception of the big dude with the with the goggles, is back. So I, I like Maryland. I'm thinking I'm thinking Elite Eight. Is Maryland the Florida of the Big Ten? Every game you're like, ah. well, Florida is actually who's like, gonna. Like, sh- Who's going to show up? Is it going to be a Final Four caliber team, or is it going to be like the eighth best team in the conference? Yeah, I think regular tonight? season. Florida is proven in the tournament, though. Mike White. Always well, I'm just saying, like, I'm just well. saying, like, like this year, like last no, night. Yeah, last but, night, uh, actually, Florida and Maryland both had like almost the exact same game last night. Very they played similar like shit in the first half. Looked like they were going to get run out of the gym, and in second half, looked like the teams that we predicted them to be this year. Maryland won. Florida didn't. Now, Florida played a much better team in LSU than Maryland played. But it's like these both of these teams are like, just throw a dart, and who knows what you're going to come up with tonight. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, 
I somehow think that Florida is a lot more erratic than Maryland. I just never really believed in Maryland. I did believe in Florida. Uh, and so they're more of an erratic team in my estimation. Sure, reason, people don't believe in Maryland because of what they've done in the past with Mark Turgeon. That, that's why? the only reason why, right? I think that's a pretty fucking good reason. Even Fair this enough. year, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even this year, they reason. can barely win on the road. And I know a lot of teams can't win on the road in the Big Ten, but they can't win on the road for shit. Their first win came in Evanston, and they were down first half of the game. Hey, They're down, so- they were down by like 18 at one point, I think, which props to them for coming back on that. I'm just saying that if you think Maryland is going to be an Elite Eight team, you can't fall down by 18 – like they've shown some uh, propensity to do in non-home court situations, and then it just expect to come all the way back. What what <laughs> other predictions you got there, Shark? I'll stay in the Big Ten because this was another one that was organic based off our conversations, and this is kind of a feud between Taylor and I. When you guys pronounced Michigan State dead, I believe it was in mid-December. I, uh, it was after the loss to Duke. Uh, you guys said that they, they're terrible, and no matter what happens, they're going to win 10 straight games, and I'm still going to think they're terrible. And then there's a debate about how far they're going to go, and I said that I still think that they can win it all. And then, Taylor, you told me, what's a successful season? And we settled on the Elite Eight, and I said, I think Michigan State will make it to the Elite Eight. So this is kind of a pussy prediction for me. This is more appropriate for where you two to make at the beginning of the year, not something as bold as I'm normally making on this side. But Michigan State will make it to at least the Elite Eight. I mean, yeah, okay. I I think that we kind of – Yeah, know, our, yeah I'm, I'm embarrassed by it. Yeah, I think our preseason predictions kind of laid out what the – possible floor was for this team and i think that we've seen that situation come to fruition more than we've seen what the ceiling would have suggested for this team uh we we brought up the the injuries that they had and the fact that they um kind of go through some lulls in this in the season obviously like Cassius winston is awesome but we also brought up a, a, the point that maybe this team actually peaked last year or and is now plateaued. And so, sure, I, I think that prediction, the prediction of them making the Elite Eight is, yeah, like you said, not going out on the limb. and not calling you out on that. I'm saying it's, it's not going out on the limb. But I, I don't think that either prediction to make the Elite Eight or to not make the Elite Eight is dead at this point because they haven't exactly shown what – was expected of them at any point, really. This, yeah, sure, they they ran off a, a streak of games, and that's impressive and whatnot. But at the same time, we we haven't exactly seen something that would suggest that they're this end all be all of college basketball. Like at the beginning of the season, they were kind of expected to be. Yeah, and I think where I was, I remember this conversation vividly. I had said that I don't think that they're a national title contending team any longer. Elite Eight, sure, even Final Four, maybe. I don't think that they're a title contending team though, and. They had rattled off 10 straight, eight or maybe eight, eight to 10 straight before they got walloped in Purdue. Uh, so I'm still, I'm still fine with that. I think all three of us are okay with, with where we stand on Michigan State. Did you have any other predictions, though, Shark? I got, yeah, I got one more. This was on one that I was on when you guys, one of the first episodes that I was back after my hiatus, and I came in and I predicted that LSU was going to win the SEC. And that one's looking pretty good right now because they kind of stumbled out of the gates. I still remember the game they played in the Bahamas against Utah State where they, they were up big and Utah State came storming back in the second half. And lo and behold, uh, LSU has righted the ship. I think they've won eight or nine straight at this point. They're 6-0 and in the SEC. 
Uh, Skylar Mays, one of my favorite players in college basketball right now. One of my boys. He's one of my boys right now. Uh, and that team's just good with Javante Smart and, you know, that, the, the Emmett Williams, all the guys they can throw at you. But Mays is one of those guys that's going to win you games in the tournament. I'll, I'll say that's, that's pretty healthy. You know, you're not necessarily Brad Pitt, you know, level of, of shape, but you're pretty healthy. Right? You're somewhere between Seth Rogen and Brad Pitt. How about that for, for that LSU pick? Because the SEC is completely uh, mangled right now. Even with Auburn in their hot start, they already have two losses in the conference. South Carolina might even be a threat. Who knows if Kentucky, uh, the kids, if they somehow fail as well. So I, LSU, not as as dead as maybe I would have thought a couple weeks ago. So we all predicted three different teams to win the SEC, correct? Yeah, I, I you, predicted you, Kentucky. And I had Florida. And and actually, last night was probably the swing game between Shark and I, which literally came down to a layup that was made that was called off by a thumb because those three teams are one, two, and three in the standings. That was a, an incredible game last night between Florida and LSU. Florida came all the way back, as, as we previously stated, because uh, they're the Jekyll and Hyde of college basketball along with Maryland or probably more so than Maryland even and that that might come down to it in the end where like a, literally a thumb on the ball as time expires might decide that prediction so I think every prediction for the SEC is alive really because yeah. you know I mean they're they're the number one number two number three teams in the standings so I I am I am most impressed though by LSU of all the teams in the SEC, because I don't think I would have thought that they would be undefeated through six games and in the lead. If you'd have told me things would be one, two, three, I'd say, yeah, okay, LSU could would be there. But I don't think I would have predicted them to be six and zero, oh, and uh, certainly in the driver's seat for the SEC title at this point. Will Wade, American Gangster. One more a prediction that I want to put on the Sharks' mantle is Louisville. He has not been on high on Louisville whatsoever. I'm still two stepping after they went into Cameron and won their top six in the country right now at number six. Uh, so your prediction on Louisville, very unhealthy, morbidly obese. Yeah. That, to be clear, my, my prediction was they weren't going to win the ACC. They weren't going to be the a national title title contender. I think right now they probably look like they are, but I think that's probably the product of them playing in a, a, a cake eater conference right now. The ACC stinks. There's no other way to spin it. It's not a good conference. Um, so Louisville is going to rip off a whole bunch of games, but I, I I don't think they have the moxie to do it. Can I can I give you some solace in your Louisville situation right now? Talk to me. Louisville is down at home by eight to Georgia Tech in the second half as we record this right now. Noir is going to Noir is going to come back and Pastor is going to blow it. But I just wanted to give you a little bit of hope on that. That thank you for that. And I want to say this: this isn't one of my predictions, but. Georgia Tech's feisty. It's a feisty team. I know they're under 500. I know for when you look at that, they are, they're terrible, but uh, we know about what they is did it, at BC to kill me a few weeks ago. Is, this, is this like your kind of almost Oklahoma prediction from the other day? Hey, watch yeah, out for I Oklahoma. Was, I, uh, they, they covered, and they should have won. <laughs> you see that three? That three went in and out at the end of the game? Yeah, that was a, that was a close finish. But uh, Georgia Tech – the, their Big Ten version of them is Northwestern because they stink to high heavens, but they compete. Every single game they compete. They went into Illinois and almost pulled off an upset, did the same thing at home against Maryland. So 
Those two teams, they suck, but they'll give you a run for their money. All right, Taylor, let's move on to our prediction, Shark. What I want you to do is act sort of like an independent arbitrator, a judge, if you will. I think I think that's a position that you'd love to be in someday. Mm. Uh, I want you to you know, give us health grades on these. Uh, so we'll go conference by conference and revisit our preseason picks. We'll start with the Pac-12, my coach of the year, and Taylor's coach of the year, Tad Boyle. Well done, boys. Coach Boyle finally uh, breaking through the ceiling for him this year. I, I've watched them a few uh, play a few times this year. What's the guy's name? Bay. Their yeah. their best player. Bay. I mean, it's just a great name for your. Come on, Bay. Come on, Bay. You can scream that throughout the game. And uh, no, he, he, I've always liked Tad Boyle for whatever reason. I think it was way back when when he made the tur- he got his team in the tournament as a seven seed, and they were actually they're playing Illinois. Jim Grobe was coaching the team. They were the 10 seed on that line. I have a crazy brain that remembers these things conceptually about wearing the bottom right bracket. I got it right there. Uh, I forget who they lost to. They actually, they, I think they lost that game, but always like that. Jim, Jim Grochi. Yeah. What did I say? Grobe? Yeah. Yeah, Grochi. Whatever. You know who took his place? Blood, sweat, uh, and Brad Underwood, baby. He took his place? No. There, uh, there, was, there was someone before Underwood. Were, yeah, there was. Um, look that up. Put blood, sweat, and Brad Underwood. <laughs> yeah. I got that one out there. I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna use it for but, blood, sweat, and Butler too, just to try to get Rothstein's attention. I'm gonna use it in two locations. Hopefully, one of them takes off. So we both chose Trace Tinkle as Player of the Year. Health grade, not healthy, because my guy Peyton Pritchard's gonna win that. Tinkle, nah. what, what what are they? What's um? How many wins do they have in the Pac-12? Oregon State is two and four in the Pac-12, twelve so and six overall. What's any different about what Tinkle's doing this year than he did in the previous years? Because he's well, always putting up numbers. Well, we 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 kind of we said that though. We knew that was going to be regardless of the, their finish in the conference. He's putting up twenty-seven and four this year. Yeah, but I think that they would probably tell you and two expect- steals and two steals. Yeah, but they probably I mean, Peyton Pritchard's probably getting two and a half steals. I, I think he's by far the favorite to win Pac-12 Player of the Year. Am I wrong in thinking that? So I want to go back a second though, because uh, even though we picked Tad Boyle right now, Tad Boyle probably is not the coach of the year in the Pac-12. I think it's Jared it Haas. It's Jared Haas. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Stanford, Stanford is Stanford is fifteen and three and four and one in conference. Pro, one of the not talked about at all teams in the country that it's kind of like right teetering on the edge of being ranked that we expected to be just just horrible not even like not even like a fringe team but just not good at all so right now he's probably in the running for coach of the year but i think all of those teams uh if you look at the top five top five in the pac-12 sanford usc oregon arizona and colorado all still in the running for that uh i think probably trace tinkle Peyton Pritchard, uh, who are going to go down for the Pac-12 Player of the Year. Uh, Tinkle's going to end up with the better numbers than Pritchard is, especially but from look a, at the record again. But yeah, especially but from probably, a, from an efficiency standpoint, he probably had the standpoint. best numbers last year too, right? In the in the conference, right? Right. I'm just saying that both are still going to be alive because it's just going to depend on what the voters look for, which is probably going to go into what Subi's about to say next. And that was our PAC 12 uh, winning team. Yeah. So real quick to go back to that Illinois head coaching situation, actually Underwood did take over for Grochi. You were right. There was a uh, interim head coach, Jamal Walker. So actually you weren't right. I was right. 
we're uh, both kind of right. And to go, right. <laughs> I want to, I want to tell you, like, like Stanford, Jared Haas is not going to win this year. Look, they haven't beaten anyone. They've beaten nobody. The only teams they have won, they're at home. Their best wins on the road at UCLA. They're about to take a bunch of losses. It's going to be Tad Boyle. You guys are going to be right there. All right, let's talk uh, our champion. So I had Colorado. Taylor had Arizona. Personally speaking, I think both are pretty healthy. Mine less healthier than Taylor's because Arizona did smack Colorado. Uh, Thought Shark. I mean, they're 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 a solid B. You know, it's a it's a B grade. You're, you, the, I would assume that neither of them were the favorite to win the Pac-12. So I'm giving you guys some credit for not going with the the chalk. I imagine Oregon probably was the favorite going into the year. So I give you guys credit for that, but I still think Oregon's going to win the Pac-12 when it's all said and done. But I'll, I'll give you guys some credit for that. You know, there what the Oregon was the favorite, but it wasn't like a dominant favorite. Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, and Washington had similar, pretty similar thoughts by a lot of the national pundits on who was going to win. Thank God none of us chose Washington because they've clearly underperformed so far. Obviously, we talked about that in the last episode as to as to potential reasons why. But again, Quade Green wasn't predicted to play when the, that poll originally came out in the first place. So Washington has definitely underperformed this year. I will say that Oregon has a leg up, obviously, because they're higher in the standings, and they also own the tiebreaker with Arizona. Now they don't own the tiebreaker with Colorado, though, correct? Right, because they lost Colorado. Right, so you've got like a three-way. Yeah, Oregon has a leg up. I don't know if they up. play them again, though. Okay, that's true. I'd have to go and look at that. I will say this. Arizona, at least to defend my pick, took Oregon to overtime on the road. Is that going to be indicative of maybe what happens when they play Oregon again at home? I don't know. But, um, you know, at least with Arizona and Colorado, Arizona beat the shit out of Colorado at home. Yeah, but Colorado and, also and, beat Oregon to defend my pick. At, at home, well, right? No, I'm saying that's. No. I'm. Ju- I'm saying that there's no real. Sure, we could all say, "Oh, this was our pick," but there's reasons to say, "Oh, we're right" or "Oh, we're wrong." So that's. It's going to be one of the more exciting conference races. They're all going to be exciting. Don't get me wrong, but because the tiebreaker already is flipped between the three teams who are probably going to win that conference, it's really going to come down probably to the last game of the year. Yeah. All right. Let's keep it moving here. Let's go to the ACC. I'm very proud of both of these picks. My coach of the year, Kevin Keats, Taylor's Leonard Hamilton, both having great years. Leonard Hamilton, Florida State ranked top 10. Keats just got their first win in Charlottesville and I don't know how long. And even Rothstein tweeted about outside of the top three teams in the ACC, that fourth team is the Wolfpack that you got to watch out for. Shark, Keats and Leonard Hamilton. Oh, yeah, de- definitely Leonard Hamilton's the better pick out of those two. Keats is kind of a middle-of-the-pack ACC team in a, in a bad ACC year. So I appreciate you trying to go out on a, on a limb there, Father, but I, I'm going to have to give more credit to Taylor in, this, in his selection of Leonard Hamilton. I think Florida State is ranked in the top five. You didn't even give him enough credit. I think that's you trying to make your point. What, They're in right the top now? five. They're in the top five, not the, that's, which is in the yeah. top ten. You're not wrong. but Are they um, top five? Yeah, they're number five in the country. Good ball. That's, yeah, that's right. the that's the fuzz coming for you trying to trying to illegally take my pick. Florida out right State, Florida State might be winning too much though. All Keats has to do is get a tournament berth, and they're like, "Oh wow, for a lowly team oh. like NC State, that's coach of the year." Well, why, if the Florida, if the Florida, why State are they beat, so lowly though? I don't understand. Like, why were you so down on them? What's changed for NC State versus 
who was on their team last year. I don't think they've been to the tournament since Keats has been there. Maybe one time? That that can't be true. All right. Well, uh, you looked that yeah, up. I looked that up. There's no way that's true. This is the first time Florida State has been in the top five in something like 41 years. So that's a if the Florida State PR department can push that on the media enough, Leonard Hamilton's going to wrap this up earlier rather than later. I think for uh, and there's no to me there's really no signs of them slowing down. Obviously, this year of college basketball, we say that, and then that means that I just gave them the kiss of death, and they're going to lose their next two games. But at this point, I think I, I, I'm rolling. I'm, I think that that Leonard Hamilton pick is probably a majority pick at this point, uh, seven, seven or eight games into the ACC season so far. Well, it's got to be me and Keats in a foxhole versus all you motherfuckers. So. And Keats made it his first year two years ago. They two years ago. Seed, and you want to know who they lost to in the first round in the tournament? My boy Kevin Willard and Seton Hall. This <laughs> <laughs> first year coaching big-time basketball, all right? Uh, let's move on to player of the year, ACC. We both had Nuara. Ugh. You just hate him. I I don't hate him. I just don't. You're a I, judge. People were, he was the trendy pick. You know, everybody, it's like going to Nashville. You know, I want to go check out, going to Nashville like three years ago. Everyone thought that's the trendy move. Let's go to Nashville. Let's pick Jordan Nuara to win the ACC player of the year. I don't think he will uh, at this point. Um, Although he might, because they might come in first and he might rip off a whole bunch of games, but it it, it was it was a safe pick. All right. I mean, isn't that isn't if Peyton Pritchard is going to win the Pac-12 Player of the Year by the same logic, Nawaro would win the ACC Player of the Year, correct? But Peyton Pritchard actually wins his team games, his team games. Like Nawara is folding and crumbling and in, in a you know, a fetal position. Oh, yeah. You're the right. They, did, when... they just stomped on Duke and like they're not they're did go- stink in that game. I, well, I didn't yeah, want to bring well, up well, in that. Well, sure. But like they're the number seven team in the country. Cause Noir sucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also cause they're ranked very high at the start of the year because people were projecting this by their resume and in itself. It's like not overly impressive outside of the Duke win. Um, all right. And then we both have Louisville as our champion. I'm not asking you if these are hot takes or good good takes. I want you to grade the health of those takes midway it, through the year. It's healthy, you know. It's it's fit. It's fit for service. You know, we can send it out there. You know, we, we can deploy you. You know, you're draft eligible. That you're good. Good. Uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year. This is my time to shine, baby. Mm, it's my time to dive into a ditch somewhere. <laughs> uh, I had Brad Underwood. Taylor had Matt Painter. Mm. That game, that and that, I, that decision was mine was tossed aside because of the last game. If nothing else, you know, Purdue had obviously not played well previously this season, but they could have at least like helped me out in this race if the paint squad would have beat Illinois. But they got bundled by Illinois both times they played them this year. Yeah, so I, I won't even entertain your painter pick. It's no, nope, I appreciate nope. it, but Sub. With your with your Underwood pick, it, it it was it's outstanding, but it might not actually win. So let, let me start by saying it's healthy. It's a healthy pick. It's a beautiful baby boy that you got there. It's going to go on and do great things. However, there's someone else that was just born in that hospital during this year that might end up winning this award, and he's up in Piscataway. He's in Rutgers. Steve Peichel. I mean, he's assuming they keep on this run right here. I think he's going to win that award. 
So you have some competition, but it, w- it was a good pick at the outset. Only other guys that I think could contend for it. Um, whew. I maybe like maybe Izzo if they keep winning, which would be kind of surprising to me. Uh, and then maybe like Fran McCaffrey if they rip off like 10 straight games, which I don't think is going to happen. There's another baby, uh, a few rooms down, and it might be Pat Chambers as the dark horse. If Pat Chambers can turn yeah, the Penn but- State team around, look, I'm completely with you and Steve Peichel. If he continues this, if if he just finishes the season ranked, he might be national coach of the year, yeah. let alone Big Ten. So I'm I'm all right with that. I, zero cl- idea at the beginning of the season that Rutgers was going to be this good, but I'm happy that they are. The the Big Ten standings are just wild. Really, I mean, honestly, Northwestern at the bottom and Nebraska at the bottom. It was not unexpected. Everything from else, everything from there up is just a mess. Ohio yeah. State, Michigan, and Purdue are the three teams above Nebraska Northwestern at the bottom of the of the conference. And who would have thought that, especially with Michigan after their first two weeks of college basketball, where we went on a limb, and by we I mean me, uh, and had agreement with that though and said, Hey, they're already in the tournament and now they're eleven and fucking six and you're like, Oh, well, how many wins do they need to get to to get into the tournaments? Eight, maybe? Get them a 19 win with their resume? I don't, I don't know. But it, it is a wild year in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is good, but it's not great necessarily. Cause I it, think it was a lot better at the beginning of the year. Right, because there's just so much. Like You could look at Iowa and be like, oh, my God. They they could beat anyone in the country, but you could say that about like eight teams in the Big Ten. But then they also could probably go lose to any team in the country any given night as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Big Ten champion. I had Michigan State. Taylor had Purdue. Yeah. Self-explanatory there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. I don't think we need to discuss it any further. All no, right. Let's let's just drop that one. <laughs> yeah. Let's continue this though. Let's keep it rolling. Three more conferences. Big Twelve. Both Taylor and I had Scott Drew. He also actually might be in the running for National Coach of the Year. I think that's pretty much locked away at this point, right? Uh, yeah, I think you can lock that one just because I, I don't think they're going to slip up going forward. Maybe, maybe Bobby Huggins. Maybe yeah. if they mm-hmm. keep winning. Um, but that's going to take some a lot more losses from Baylor. Well, and even if Kansas wins this conference because of probably the brawl itself and the FBI shit and all that, I mean, even adding insult to Bill Self, it, the media is not going to give him Big 12 Coach of the Year pretty much no matter what happens throughout the rest of the year, in my opinion, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. They're just not going to give it to him. Yeah. No, especially with stuff at the beginning of the year, the whole off season, he's not going to get coached. Right. I think we discussed that too in our, in our preview also. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Bill Self and Kansas, we both have them as champion. I think them bail. I mean, it's still pretty healthy, but Baylor's just as healthy. West Virginia is just as healthy. Uh, Big 12 is at the top is going to be a dogfight. Sure. I, I do want to say that I mentioned Huggins and West Virginia as a surprise team, and you scoffed at me harder than, than any other thing I ever said on, on this podcast. Good prediction. I, I think top to bottom, the Big 12 is disappointed this year. There's really only three teams that I think could make any type of noise, and that's Baylor, Kansas, and West, and West Virginia. So far out of all the conferences we've discussed, the Big 10, and frankly, the, the, I think the Big 10 is the best conference in basketball this year. 
I was yeah, disappointed I, I, in Oklahoma State, also. By the way, I thought they'd be a lot better this year. They're zero and six, and I and I let me re, let me revisit what you just said. I don't want to say that the Big Ten has sucked this year. They're not because they are really good. I'm just saying it's not as like top heavy, clear favorites in the country as I would have expected them to be at this point. There's a lot of hey, these teams are good, and there's probably more. These teams are good than in any other conference, but. I haven't seen like the, oh, there's our national champion type of feel, even from Michigan State so far this year. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me uh, tell you guys something without you getting mad. The preseason player of the year that we had was Tyrese Halliburton, but I don't know how healthy of a pick. Like, who is going to win the Big 12 player of the year? Is it Dotson? Ooh. Well, he's missed some games. Right. Granted, not that many. Um, that's a good question there, Father. Who the I hell mean, is going to win the Big 12 player of the year? I mean, Halliburton is averaging 16, 7, and 6 on 50% shooting. Still so it still could be – I mean, Iowa State stinks. They were supposed to be decent this year. They're not very good. No, but I don't think we we, we picked Halliburton not like they were going to win the conference. So Sure, I think but, Hall- no, no, but I'm saying we picked Halliburton because we thought Iowa State would be a notable team, and he, his name would be out there. Yeah, I think a lot I, of people have lost sight about him. No, it's going to be Dotson or Jared Butler. It's got to be, just in terms of numbers and how good those two teams are. Sure, but I still think like Halliburton's still going to make the first team all conference, which I think would still, you know, say that that pick is alive at this point. So, For sure. uh, right. I, I, again, I, that's debatable because no one is clearly no one is running away with that at all. But I, w- I would say that the pick is still alive. I genuinely couldn't tell you like a game changer type player in the Big Twelve, maybe outside of Dotson, but he's hurt. So we'll have to we'll have to see about that. Let's go to the SEC. I had Bruce Pearl as coach of the year. Taylor had his uh, rival over in Tuscaloosa, Nate Oates. I was really high on Pearl uh, for being SEC coach of the year, and he still might win it. But those two losses kind of gave me a little bit of a pause. Don't have too much of a pause. Bruce Pearl's going to get those guys back. That that was kind of just a doomsday week for them, right there, having having to play Florida and then having on go on the road against Alabama. So that was going to happen no matter what. So I think that's still a very healthy and very sweaty pick of yours, Taylor. Your pick sucked. I said your pick sucked from the moment you picked it. I no chance in hell. But you're you're taking a chance. So what can you do? Um, player of the year. I had Kerry Blackshear. Taylor had Anthony Edwards. Ooh. So, I mean, that one's – I don't think it's going to be Blackshear just because he's kind of flopped. Uh, he just looks so old out there. Like, I he, I told – he looks like Theo Ratliff on the back end of his career with the Celtics, like just banged up. Um, but there's really not a lot of players emerging. Edwards has good numbers. I think the guy that actually leads the SEC in scoring is Aaron Naismith on Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt, Vandy's terrible. So it's kind of hard to pick who would be the SEC player of the year because you want to get someone that is skilled enough. I know Taylor's itching to bring up Kira Lewis, um, and he's got really good numbers, and they could kind of sneak into the tournament. But I would say if I were picking it, I would pick Skylar Mays, um, but that's just for me. Well, how do we feel about the? How do we feel about Nate Oates then? I don't feel good about Nate Oates. <laughs> I, like I didn't, I'm never going to like Nate Oates because of what happened when they played Texas Tech in the tournament last year. I'll never forgive. Never forget. Never forgive. 
Yeah, I, I, that's another one that's definitely open. I, I, because Blackshear was mine, probably second pick as well, and I, I think it's probably pretty clear unless they go on a real, real run here that he's not going to win it. Anthony Edwards is averaging 19 points a game. That team, it looked like for a half against Kentucky that they were going to really kind of turn a corner and maybe be decent. And that fell off a cliff pretty quickly. So they're not going to probably make the tournament. Or they're not going to make the tournament. So the voters are just going to have to look. But again, this is what I, I think what I said at the beginning of the year. It's a stats. I picked a lot of the stats guys and not a lot of the best player from the best team in the conference. Uh, will that work out? I don't, I don't know. But with Anthony Edwards, you know, I, he's averaging 19 points a game, but he's only shooting like 40% from the field. Are they going to pick off enough teams towards the end of the year where voters will pick a player from Georgia for the conference player of the year? Remains to be seen. His numbers need to be much better for how for the yeah, agreed. talent no, of that. Yeah, his team yeah, is I, for him to justify. That's no, why I, I, if, if LSU keeps winning, Mays is by far their most sure. important player. Yeah, yeah get right. It. I agree. Yeah, uh, I'm very, very much off the Kerry Blackshear. Bandwagon. He's he's just been mediocre, lukewarm, as is Florida. All right, last conference, the Big East. We both picked for Coach of the Year, Travis Steele. Uh, do you want me? Do you want me to tell you? Do you want me to do it again right now? Like you're an idiot. It's not going to be Travis Steele. Yeah, it's going to be my guy, my guy, Willard, Kevin Willard, the one that you said was in the bottom half of the coaches in the Big East. You've been defaming him truly defaming him salting his name salting salt in the streets as you like to say slandering him all year and he's just proven himself time and time and again he hasn't lost a game in the big east yet his team is tougher than a shovel um seat in the hall it's going to be kevin willard unless providence can Completely turns it around. No, uh, but I don't see that happening. They're not, not going to give it to Jay Wright because Jay Wright. It's one of those like you don't give it to Bill Belichick because to be coach of the year. You don't you don't give it to Bill Stealth year after year. It just gets tired. You want to give it to a new guy. Is there anyone else in the Big East? I'm trying to rack my brain. Laval, right Laval Jordan. Laval yeah. Jordan. Yeah, but they've they've been losing a lot. They've lost three straight in conference. So he yeah. he would have been a good one for it. But it's not going to be your guy, Travis Steele. I can tell you right now. Yeah. No. Travis Steele's out. Uh, player of the year. This is still up for grabs. And we had said in the beginning of the no, year. No, it's when not. It's player of the think, year? You don't think Marcus Howard? I mean, I took I took Miles Powell, but you don't think Marcus Howard's in that conversation? No. I mean, Marcus Howard's averaging 28 yeah, points a game. It doesn't, what are you talking I, about? This is team, a conversation. I don't. This is not a conversation, in my opinion. It's Miles. Miles Powell is going to be a first-team All-American. Yeah, but, so, but Marcus Howard could be. If you would listen to the predictive podcast that we put together, it was that we thought that both of those players could be all Americans. Miles Powell, Miles Powell is averaging twenty-two points a game on forty-two percent shooting. Marcus Howard is averaging twenty-eight points a game on forty-two percent shooting. I, I don't like both of these players are. Naismith like award winning candidates, not just conference yeah, and, w- and one place, one place for a top ten team, and they've played each other. And Marcus Howard shot eight for twenty two against them, and actually so did Miles. They both shot eight for <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. 
they're, they're inseparable. That's that why I'm saying good. they All both right. they both have a spot. You know what? I'll I'll permit the conversation. Just know that while we're having the conversation, I'm not paying attention. Like I'm checking Twitter or something, but I'm allowing the conversation to proceed. <laughs> Okay, that's that's all I really wanted because we have already actually already had this conversation, just me and Taylor when we were doing the show by ourselves. Um, <laughs> last but not least, the our champion Seton Hall. Yeah, good pick boys, good yeah. pick. Even though someone in this podcast who will remain nameless keeps saying that two other people in this podcast were off are off Seton Hall and haven't been on Seton Hall all year, they may have predicted Seton Hall in like fucking July. Uh, nobody, and I mean nobody, is on Seton Hall like the Sharks on Seton Hall. Okay. You love it. You love okay. them harder than we do. Just don't say that we're off. That's all I ask. I won't yeah, say we, that you're off. We were, it was 110 degrees in Phoenix, and I'm on Seton Hall. I was on Seton Hall at that time. Okay, I've been through seasons with Seton Hall at this point. We have an entire second half of the season to go. Looking forward to seeing which of these predictions actually come to fruition. Let's round it out right now, though, guys, with some segments. Bringing back this week in Thiet. This week in Thiet in 2013, the NCAA uh, is expected to notify Frank Haith, formerly Missouri basketball coach, then Missouri basketball coach, of allegations of, quote, unethical conduct and failure to promote an atmosphere of compliance stemming from his time as coach at Miami. Haith faces the unethical conduct charge because the NCAA believes that payments to his assistants that Haith said were for basketball camps ended up paying Miami booster. We all remember this guy, Nevin Shapiro theater. And ever since that happened, ever since Frank Haith left Missouri and there's that infamous photo, I think of Frank Haith at a bowling alley with Donna Shalele and Nevin in the background. Ever since all that transpired, Missouri, has sucked. They were a two seed. They got upset by Norfolk State and Kyle O'Quinn, who's in the league right now. Mizzou had the Pressy brothers. But this week in feet, Frank Haith, done. Missouri, as we knew them, done. You guys remember that at all? Yeah, shout out Kim English. Shout out Pressy brothers. Kim English, uh, uh, assistant coach for the Vols right now, rising star in the coaching game. And Frank Haith, is, like, he's not dead right now. He's coaching Tulsa. He coached Tulsa to the tournament a few years ago. And you never know. He's probably rebuilding the brand, trying to get back into a Power 5 conference here. Was Marcus Denman on that team, or was that earlier? I think he Ooh. was on that team, yeah. That's you a gotta, great call. I think he was on that team. Um, uh guy with the dreads, too. Um, oh, uh, Is he on their bench now? No. Oh, shoot. Who is There's that? A jacked guy with dreads. That's always on Missouri's bench. Oh shoot! What was his name? Uh, uh, he went to the NBA too, didn't he? I don't recall. We can continue yeah, to no, brainstorm. The guy, the guy, no, the Carrie, the, the Carol, Damari Carroll. Oh, yeah, Damari Carroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on that team. Yeah, he was. Oh, he yeah. definitely went to Mizzou. I know. That. No, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, all I know is Fleming, Fleming. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry that we screwed up all this Missouri knowledge. I know that. Wow. You're very I can't that. believe I didn't think of Damari Carroll of all people as well. So, Fleming for me. sure is just yelling at his at his phone right now with the ineptitude between us three. <laughs> but I would, hey Fleming, I got you, we got to get Conzo out of there. Like you, you deal with Conzo first, and we can figure out the coach afterwards. Conzo had a nice little inbounds play down three uh, against Texas A and M last night, two nights ago. Excuse me, yeah, almost work. worked. 
It didn't work, but yeah, it was an awesome play. Uh, what was the nugget about the inbounder on that play? Oh, yeah. Courtesy of Fleming again. He was a highly recruited pitcher. Yeah, there you go. Conzo knows how to use his personnel. Next time, he should probably just recruit basketball players so that maybe he can win. But, uh, yeah, this week of beat, Frank Haith. Uh, let's go to hugs now and finish it off. Shark, your hug. My hug goes to the Tennessee men's manager's basketball team. So Tennessee was pounding uh, Ole Miss on Tuesday night. And the game was so boring that the announcers had to do a pull up a graphic and just do a little ditty, a little hit on uh, the Tennessee men's bat, the manager's team. Apparently, this is like a legitimate league where every single uh, D1 basketball school, their managers will play each other on the night before their game. And this could be fabricated stats, but on, on my Twitter, the underscore shark underscore double B, just two Bs, uh, I took a screen, a photo of this graphic that they put up there and it shows that the Tennessee men's managers basketball team is ranked number one out of 161 teams. Their strength of schedule is number 32. They average 30 points per game and they allow 29 points per game in their pickup games. So this guy, Lucas Campbell, who's the the head manager running the show, apparently they get very competitive. There's also a little nugget about Georgia claiming that Tennessee managers bailed on a game. I think that's bullshit. The only thing Jay Billis loves more than shaming big time programs when they get new locker rooms and new facilities is student managers. I think he calls them the hardest working people in show business. Yeah. Uh, not a Jay Billis guy over here. He he burned me in the chief back in 2013. So I'm out on, I'm, I'm out on Billis now too. So I'm whatever right. on Billis. Yeah. What kind Taylor. of, what kind of, self-important guy writes a book called toughness like come on dude what do you what do you gotta go someone, to work. someone else give a hug i don't want to talk about this guy i'm good with billis taylor who's uh, your hug uh i want to correct myself damari carroll was not there for the frank hayes days yeah uh, he's old he was, as fuck yeah yeah, yeah, he's, yeah <laughs> well he's only me. like he's only like two years older than we are so yeah okay <laughs> we're old as fuck <laughs> But I'm going to give my hug, and I rarely, if you know me, I rarely am giving any shout-outs to Boise State's athletic program as a whole. But today I will give a shout-out to Ray J. Dennis, star freshman for Boise State, who came back from 18 points down with 3 minutes and 26 seconds to play against uh, our boy, our boys at Utah State uh, night before last. They had a 0.2% chance of winning the game, went on a 19-point run or 19 to one run to end the game, one in an overtime. Uh, secondarily, the hug goes to Boise State and Ray J. Dennis because Ray J. Dennis is spelled R A Y capital J, one word, Dennis. I'm Raj not Dennis. No, it's R capital R underscore A underscore Y capital J, mm. Dennis. That's Ray J, right? That's not. That's not like this. If it was Raj, it would be an underscore J, right? English English major. Well, apparently, I can't pronounce shit. I got called out on that <laughs> earlier. This true. Episode, so. true. At least there's not a U in this name. So yeah. uh, he was born. You know, let's hold on. Let's put a timeline. Help me out with this. He's a freshman this year, so he's 18 years old. It's 2020, 2002. When did Ray J become popular? Well, I think he hit it first in 2004. <laughs> okay, so we're a little behind. 
behind that time, I guess. So shout out to Ray J's parents for being Ray J before Ray J and in leading Utah State or leading a Boise State back against Utah State from 18 points down the other night. Incredible hug. Uh, an incredible comeback as well. I got a few hugs and I'll just fire them off real quick. Missouri basketball, since we were talking about this, Fleming will like this. They set a D1 record for most free throws made consecutively at 51. That streak was snapped when they absolutely positively needed to make a free throw to tie the game. So hug for Missouri. Uh, in addition to that, hug for Canisius's Majesty Brandon's free throw routine. It's almost like a warm-up where you're dribbling and you have to put together a set of moves before taking a shot. He literally goes behind the back, takes a jab step, and then shoots a free throw. Almost, I mean, he's just taking Rip Hamilton and, and everything else to, to the next level. Hornacek, Hornacek, Jason Kidd, all these free throw routines. Check out Majesty Brandon for Canisius. On a serious note, though, Morgan Wooten, a titan in the high school basketball uh, industry, shark near you at DeMatha High School. Legendary high school basketball coach. He passed away. Uh, Wooten has coached guys like Sidney Lowe and Derek Wittenberg. So NC State should be thanking Morgan Wooten for that loan title that they have. Mike Bray, Notre Dame coach. Adrian Dantley. You know, he's. this is also a school that's produced multiple people like Markel Fultz, Victor Oladipo. The list goes on. Keith Bogan. So uh, a sincere hug to Morgan Wooten and all he did for college basketball, even though he was a high school coach as well. I, I, I don't have a lot to mention about the coach, I must say, but I will say that in Missouri's 51 straight free throws across two games, they lost both games. Michael Dixon was the other guy on that team way back when, who also went on to transfer to Memphis. And uh, if we're ending the show, I just want to tell you, watch out for Tulsa tonight against Memphis. I, yeah. I also will agree with that. I took Tulsa in that game, plus five as well. A lot of Mizzou and Frank Haith and Tulsa connections. Well, we appreciate you listening as always. Enjoy the rest of this week and the rest of the games. We will see you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Every time I fought her, yeah.
strike somebody blind Every time.